Thank you, worship team. That was amazing. It always strikes me as uh, amazing how well the songs connect with the sermon, despite the fact that we haven't talked about it yet. It, 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 yeah, it, it's, it's like God's at work here. So I'm really excited about today's sermon. So let's jump right into it. If you were standing on the stage with me today, you would see a 6'6 African-American man, shaved head, really big feet, and probably the number 23 somewhere on him. Now, if you know anything about basketball, you're going to recognize that I'm describing Michael Jordan. Now, most people who know things about basketball, by the way, I am not one of them, but people who know things about basketball argue that he is one of the greats. What is it that made him great? Was it his height? Surely that helped. Was it his shoe size? Was it his weight? No. Whatever it was that made Michael Jordan great was deeper than you could see with your eyes. You see, it had something to do with the man's heart. And we're going to look at a guy in the Scriptures who has a great faith in God. We're going to look at King David today. And what I want us to see as we look at King David is what makes someone great at faith can't be seen. You see, Michael Jordan wasn't great at basketball just because he was tall. There were a lot of people in the NBA who were taller than he was. It was something deeper. And we're going to see that today as we look at David. But as we look at David, unlike Michael Jordan, we can be like David. You see, very, very few people in this world have what it takes to be like Michael Jordan. That's what makes him great. But the thing that made David great, you and I have access to. We can have a great faith like David. Uh, that's the subject that I want us to look at and wrestle with this morning. How can we live by faith like David? We're going to take a quick look at the second chapter of Hebrews, but we're going to spend most of our time today in 1 Samuel chapter 17. I want us to look at why living by faith is hard. We're going to see that in Hebrews. And then I want us to compare and contrast what a life by sight looks like and what a life by faith looks like, because that's the comparison and contrast that's going on in 1 Samuel chapter 17. So go ahead and start making your way to Hebrews chapter 2. Let me remind you that we are in a sermon series titled Portraits of Faith. And we've been looking at the Old Testament saints and the faith that they had in God, mainly pulling them from the 11th chapter of Hebrews. David has such a strong faith that when the author of Hebrews mentions his name, unlike uh, Rahab or Abraham, he didn't say anything about David. David's faith was so famous that all he had to say was, David, and he just moved on. But if we're honest with ourselves, living by faith isn't 
easy. Choosing to live by faith is difficult because at times the world, our world, not just the world, but our world, seems out of control. And I think the author of Hebrews knew that. Turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 2. I want to pick up in verse 8. Putting everything in subjection under his feet. So we're talking about what God the Father has done for Jesus the Son. God the Father has placed everything in subjection under his feet. He's in control. Jesus is in control. Uh, now, putting everything in subjection to him, he, ne he left nothing out of his control. I hope you can see the redundancy there. Because we're going to see a lot of things repeating themselves if we look at this text today. Jesus is in control. Let me state it another way. Jesus is in control. Let me state it another way. Jesus is in control of everything. But there's a catch. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. You see, here's the thing. Jesus is in control of everything. Nothing happens outside the power of Jesus Christ. But you and I can't see it. We just can't see it because it's only true by faith. And that is the crux. That is the great struggle of life by faith. You see, a life by faith trust in the promises of God. It looks to the promises of Jesus Christ. It looks to the gospel. It looks to these things and it trusts them because it says that they're true. But they don't always seem true. We're told that Jesus is in control of everything. And yet, this COVID mess is going on. We're told that Jesus has defeated death, that death no longer has its sting. And yet, and yet, like me, you've probably been to the funeral of a loved one or a family member in the past year. Jesus is in control, but it might not look like it. And that's why faith is so hard, because sometimes it looks like the supposed truths of this world are truer than the truths of God's word. David was a man who trusted in God. He believed what God's word said over and above what he could see visibly. I, I hope this passage in Hebrews has shown you uh, a little bit of why faith is such a struggle. The whole book of Hebrews is essentially written Keep your faith in Jesus Christ. The Hebrews are going through some really challenging times. Maybe you're going through some really challenging times right now. The author of Hebrews wrote it to encourage his readers to keep the faith. Now, why did he have to do that? It's simple. Because keeping the faith through hard times, through tough circumstances, is not an easy thing to do. But David gives us an excellent model. Now, I want us to look at David's battle with a giant named Goliath. And as we're looking at that, I want to compare and contrast Saul, who's the king of Israel, Israel, who's God's people, 
And the Philistines, the enemies of God, also a foreign nation, and Goliath, who is the champion of Philistine. So go ahead and start turning to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, while you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of background. Like I said, the Philistines are God's enemies. They are also Israel's enemies. And I say that on purpose. You see, the Philistines didn't just have a beef with the Israelites. Not only did they not like the Israelites, they didn't like the Israelites' God. And they have preemptively invaded the land that Israel owns. Israel didn't go out asking for a fight. This wasn't an offensive battle for Israel. This was a defensive battle. And you know what? That's the way tough circumstances sometimes show up in our lives. We don't go out looking for them. We just wake up one morning and there they are. The army has moved in. They're ready to battle Israel. They're big. And they have a giant that is their champion. Uh, with that background, let me make my first point. And I'm going to make my first point by jumping to the end of the chapter. We're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to start at the end instead of the beginning. Uh, the first point I want to make is people who live by faith walk through their circumstances. People who live by faith walk through their circumstances. All right, if you're at 1 Samuel chapter 17, I want you to look at where verse 1 is. And I want you to scroll down. Use your finger, actually scroll. Maybe, maybe you've got a phone and you're actually really scrolling. But scroll all the way down to verse 48. Verse 48. I had to go through three and a half columns to get to verse 48. Actually, four columns to get to verse 48. This is where the battle takes place. Notice how much text you had to go through to get to the battle itself. See, Israel and, 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 the, and Israel's king is at war with the Philistines and Philistines' uh, champion named Goliath. It takes 47 verses to get to the actual fight. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone. Now, if you don't know what's going on here, that's okay. We're going to go back and cover it. But, but David basically went to a fight uh, with some sticks and stones. That was the resources that he brought with him. Uh, he stuck the, the stone in the sling. Uh, he threw it at Goliath's head, struck him in the head, uh, knocked him out, ran over to him, took his own sword from him, because David didn't come into battle with sword, takes Goliath's sword and lops off his head. That's the conclusion of the matter. People of faith walk through circumstances. The author of 1 Samuel is doing something. He wants you to see that God is often more concerned with how you trust Him in the midst of tough circumstances than He is with how they conclude. We state it differently. With God, sometimes the journey is more important than the destination. Now I want us to look through the circumstances that led David to this victorious battle. Go all the way back to verse 1. Uh, the first few verses of this chapter, 
may seem like they're just a precursory introduction. Like basically it's telling you, okay, this is the region in, uh, in Judea where this battle happens. Uh, these are the main players. You got Saul, you got the men of Israel, you've got uh, Goliath, and you've got the Philistines. But there's something going on deeper that you might miss at first glance. See, when a Hebrew author wants to stress something, when he wants to emphasize something, he repeats it. Go back to what I said in Hebrews chapter 2. Jesus is in control. There's nothing Jesus isn't in control of. Jesus has power over everything. I've said the same thing three different times, three different ways. I'm repeating it because whoever wrote the book of, it, uh, of Hebrews wants you to know that Jesus is in control. Now I'm going to read the first couple of verses of this chapter. And as I do, when I come across a term that's repeated, I'm going to tell you how many times it's repeated because I want you to see the author is emphasizing that what we see here in the first 26 verses of this, cha of this chapter is strictly man. It's man's army. It's man's power. It's, it's this power versus that power. God never shows up. When people live by faith, they see God in their circumstances. By sight, Israel and the Philistines only saw things from a human perspective. They only saw things from the human perspective. Now, the Philistines gathered. Philistines, that word occurs 40 times. 58 verses in this chapter. Philistines happens 40 times. That's the enemy. The problem, the situation that needs to be resolved is the Philistines. Uh, jump down to verse 2. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered. Saul occurs 18 times. The men of Israel occurs 14 times. That is an awful lot of time for the word man to show up in any text anywhere in the Old Testament. And it's because the author wants us to see that that's all there is. When you live by sight, all you have is the power, the resources, and the experience that you have. What you see is all there is. The men, Israel, the, the term Israel occurs 14 times. These terms repeat so often that they practically jump off the page. Let me tell you something you don't see. God. Yahweh doesn't show up. And that's a problem because Israel is supposed to be God's people. That's a really big problem because Saul is supposed to be the king that's in charge of God's people. By sight, this is a battle strictly between men. Because that's all there is. When you live by sight, what you see is all there is. But by faith, David saw God in his circumstances. David's first words are recorded in verse 26. And when I say David's first words are recorded in 26, uh, I do mean his first words in this chapter. But these are also the very first words of David, one of the most famous characters of the Old Testament. 
when he comes onto the scene, these are the words that God revealed to us. These are the very first words that God wants us to hear the, the king who is after his own heart say. Uh, verse 26. And David said to the men who stood by him. So essentially, Goliath has come out, and he's, he's this huge guy, and he's kind of taunting the Israelites. And David sees it. And he says, what should be done to this man who kills the Philistine and takes away this reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God. You see, when David shows up, someone else shows up with him. David can see the Philistine. He can see the giant. And we're going to talk about it in a little while. I'm going to show you how big this guy is. David is fully aware of his circumstances. This isn't just uh, misplaced crazy optimism but when David shows up he sees this not in terms of it's the Philistines versus the Israelites he sees this uncircumcised Philistine who is defiling the living God. Note closely, it is the living God. This isn't some God that, you know, we were, the Israelites did not worship an idol. They worshiped the living God. They worshiped the same God we worship. David's God is our God. And so when David sees that God being taunted, he says, this is unacceptable. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Now, you might be wondering, why they call him uncircumcised? What does that have to do with anything in battle? It's actually incredibly important. Now, here's why. Earlier in this, uh, in, this, in this book, we're told that David is a man after God's own heart. David has a relationship with God. The people of Israel were supposed to be God's people. They were supposed to have a relationship with God. Saul, as the king of God's people, was supposed to have a relationship with God. For the Israelites, the Abrahamic covenant, the sign of that covenant, the sign that they had a relationship with God was circumcision. So when David calls this guy an uncircumcised Philistine, he is really stressing this person who doesn't know God and maybe even hates God has the audacity to show up in God's country and taunt God's people, the living God. That's unacceptable. You see, whether you're trying to figure out what college to go through, to go to, uh, how you're going to pay your bills, uh, how are you going to get the kids to go to bed at, at their bedtime? Uh, how are you going to afford braces? How are you going to retire? No matter what your circumstance that you are facing, if you're a believer, you have a living God with you. You have the same living God that was with David. He is with you right now. But it might not seem like it. Because that's the struggle of faith 
this side of heaven. The next thing I want us to look at is people who live by faith trust God in their circumstances. Earlier in 1 Samuel, we're told that Saul, who is the king, that Saul's a pretty, pretty big guy. Uh, he's actually a head taller than everyone else in Israel. So think of the tallest person you know. Saul's that tall. He's incredibly handsome. Uh, he's the king. Uh, and back in those days when you were the king, that meant you were the wealthiest person. Translation, he had the best weapons of war that could be purchased by money at that time. That's what he was trusting in. That's the same thing, oddly enough, that Goliath was trusting in. By sight, Goliath trusted in his physical size. Uh, let's jump there. Go back to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I want to look at verse 4. Verse 4. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, at the valley in between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath. You remember how I told you the term man repeats itself and it's important? Uh, literal translation for champion is uh, the big go-between man. So the Philistines man comes out and he starts taunting. His height, six cubits in a span. Now, just in case you don't have your Hebrew calculator handy, uh, let me translate that for you. It's about nine feet. See, Saul was the tallest guy in Israel until Goliath showed up. And when you're living by sight and you're relying on size, the only thing it takes to beat you is a little bit more. See, if Michael Jordan was with me today, uh, I would say he's tall. I think most people who would think an individual who is 6'6 six, six is a tall man. But if Shaquille O'Neal walked in and stood next to him at 7'1", Michael Jordan wouldn't look so big. When you live by sight, size really matters. The Israelites had placed their hope and their reliance and their trust in the size of their king. And they're terrified because someone bigger than him just shows up. Let's continue. He had a helmet of bronze on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. Again, just in case you don't have your Hebrew uh, conversion table handy, uh, it's about 125 pounds. The average infantry soldier in the army today, I think their pack is about 70 pounds. So this guy's walking around, just his coat, just his coat weighs uh, a little more than 50 pounds more than the average infantry soldier carries in, for his whole getup. Goliath is enormous. And he stood, I'm, I'm picking up in uh, verse 8, and he stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, 
it will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that, may, that we may fight together. And when Saul and all the Israelites heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Uh, the word dismayed is torn up, shattered, absolutely scared. I want us to jump down and look at how David is handling the same situation. You see, I want you to make note before we go there. Goliath sees that he's got the size. He sees that he's got the resources. He's got the biggest spear. He's got the biggest shield. He's got the biggest sword. Uh, he's got the heaviest coat. Saul had all of that stuff. It just wasn't as big. Because when you live by sight, more means a lot. David's not living by sight. Uh, jump down to verse 38. Let's see what David has to say. David's living by faith. And because David's living by faith, he's seeing things that aren't visible strictly by sight. Because you see, when David shows up, David basically says, I'll take on this guy. And when he says that, Saul thinks, all right, well, if David will fight him, okay, I guess so, we'll let him do it. But we're going to put David, we're going to give David uh, Saul's equipment, 38. Then Saul clothed David with the armor. Uh, he put a helmet of bronze on his head. This is a this is a word for word match. Saul wants David to fight Goliath on Goliath's term. Saul uh, Goliath has a helmet. David here's a helmet. Goliath has a coat. David put on this coat. Goliath has a sword. David take my sword. So on and so forth. But David tried in vain. Uh, he could not use them, for he had not tested them. See, Saul shows up by sight, and he brings his resources. He brings his size, he brings his resources, and he brings his experience. Uh, Saul had been a man of war. He had led many conquests. He had led many battles. We're told later on in the text that Goliath had been a man of war since his youth. You see, Goliath has been fighting battles since he was knee-high to a grasshopper. Every chance the man had to get into a scrap, he got into a scrap. Saul had a lot of experience fighting. Goliath had more. The text makes painfully obvious that according to worldly terms, David does not measure up. Four times we're told David is a youth. This is a man's war. 
This is the battle between the men of the Philistines and the men of Israel. David shows up, nothing but a boy. What could he possibly do? You see, David didn't show up thinking he had size. He showed up knowing he had a relationship with God. By sight, Goliath trusted in his experience. But by faith, David trusted in his experience with God. Goliath had been a warrior since his youth. But jump down to verse 34. I want to show you something about David. David speaking to Saul. Your servant used to keep his sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a beast and took the lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of the hand of his mouth. So David may be a boy. He may look like a boy. But in reality, this guy has fought lions and bears. But he doesn't credit his own ability. He says, your servant, picking up in verse 36, your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, and he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Goliath was counting on the fact that he had a bigger sword, he had a bigger helmet, he had a bigger spear, he had a bigger, he had a bigger everything to get him through this tough circumstance. And in a moment of honesty, I got That's how I function a lot of times. A, a lot of times, I look to a bigger amount of money in the bank to get me through. A circumstance and I'm just like Israel because when I read when I have a problem uh, like several years ago when my plumbing broke and the plumber told me it was going to cost $20,000 to dig a hole under my house to fix it I was terrified I struggled with a lot of anxiety because I was living by sight and I knew what I had in my bank account and I knew what this bill was going to be and I knew that I, I didn't I, the circumstance was bigger than me that's not how David is living. David is living by faith. And by faith, it doesn't matter how much he has in his bank account. By faith, what matters is he's got a lot of experience walking with God. He has a lot of experience walking with God. Not a God. Not some God. Not an old God. The God. Our God. The same God of David is our God. And by faith, David is able to see it doesn't matter that he's the youth, that he's a youth. You see, God uses the small to humble the strong all the time. 
It doesn't matter that Goliath's resources far exceed the resources of David because David's not looking at his resources. David's looking at God and he's saying, I serve a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I don't care how big this uncircumcised Philistine is. He's come onto the scene and he has taunted and defiled the, my God and I am not going to stand for that. I don't think David woke up that morning thinking, I'm going to go fight a giant. His trial came to us like many of our trials come to us. He just woke up one morning and there it was. He could have run. It would have been perfectly within his his right. He was a boy. He didn't have to do this. But he said, no, I am going to trust God and fight Goliath. He was trusting God for the outcome. And that, that gets us to uh, our application. The application for this is really simple. Trust God's power. Even if it seems like he's not showing up, in your life. Trust God's power. By working, by looking for the work of God in your circumstances. See, that was one of the first points that we made. God doesn't seem to be particularly concerned with the outcome of this passage. He is really concerned with the circumstances leading up to it. If you're experiencing uh, hard circumstances today, perhaps God is inviting you to walk with him through them. He's, he's inviting you to trust his power to get you through them. And I know some of you are dealing with some incredibly tough circumstances. You know, perhaps you visited the doctor and this time the doctor said, I, we, there's not much we can do about this. Or, or maybe you're trying to figure out what college to go to. Or maybe you're trying to figure out how I'm going to pay the bill. The reality is we serve a living God. You have a relationship with Him. He is with you. He wants to walk with you through your circumstances. Trust God's power in your circumstances. And lastly, trust God's power by leaving the outcome up to God. You see, David saw an opportunity to trust God. David saw God being defiled, and he said, I am going to step up, and I am not going to allow this. That was success for David. You see, when you live by faith, obedience Obedience is success. When you live by sight, you got to win. You got to win. You know, if you're running a race and, and you're only running that race by sight, you better be the fastest person in that race. Otherwise, you're not going to win it. Unless you're one of the fastest and the fastest guy just gets unlucky. I mean, that's the way the world works. That's not how living by faith works. Trust God's power by leaving outcomes up to God. David stepped out by faith to fight Goliath. He didn't know if he was going to win or not. He was pretty confident that he was going to win, but that confidence was based on God. 
He stepped out to do it. God is inviting you to step out with Him, to live by faith in Him, and to trust Him for the outcomes. Now again, I know some of you are really dealing with challenging circumstances. But guys, the promises of God are true, even if it looks like they're not. And in Christ, you are forgiven. In Christ, you are redeemed. In Christ, you, God will never leave you nor forsake you. He doesn't promise that your outcomes are always going to come out well. But God's not so concerned with your outcomes. He's concerned that you are walking with Him in faith in the midst of your circumstances. Faith is difficult. See, that really didn't come through uh, in, in this passage that we looked at today. In this passage, it kind of seemed like David had everything together. David doesn't have everything together. Uh, if you could read the whole story, you'd see that he stumbles big time in some incredibly huge ways. But he shows us a picture, a portrait, of what it's like to have faith in the midst of challenging circumstances. He doesn't look to his own size. He looks to the size of his God. He doesn't look at his own resources. He looks at the resources that he that, uh, with the relationship that he has with God. And he's not so concerned with his experience in battle as he is in his experience walking with God. The same God, you and I, get the privilege and honor by faith because of the gospel. We get to walk with that God. Let me challenge you this week. Walk with that God through your circumstances. Heavenly Father, everything I've said today is impossible apart from your empowerment. But Lord, for those of us who are believers, we, are, we know, we trust that you are already with us that we can't ask for more because you've already given us everything that we need in Christ. Our heavenly inheritance is secure and you've invited us to be a part of the work that you're doing, your redemptive work here on this earth. Just like King David, we get to join you in fighting your battles, but only by faith. I know for myself personally, this is a struggle. I know for all of the fire wheelers, at times, especially when circumstances are tough, this is a struggle. And so, Father, I pray that you would uh, encourage us. Father, I pray that the power that we already have, we would use. I pray that in some small way, we would glorify you by choosing to trust you in whatever circumstances it is that we're dealing with. In Jesus' name, amen.